0: All right, who's ready to get uh, launched into this new series? The Creed. You ready? All right. I know you're all settled in and you're probably nice and cozy, but I want you to stand with me for a minute. Everybody stand. All right. We're going we're gonna to put the Apostles' Creed up on the screen, and I want you all to read it out loud with me. Now, if you're here and you don't believe these words, that's cool. I'm really glad that you're here. Uh, let's, let's talk later. Let's ask questions. But if you don't believe these words, just, just mouth like watermelon, watermelon, over and over. We won't know the difference. We'll think you're saying it with us. But everybody that does believe, I want you to say this with me. You ready? Here we go. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell, and the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty, from whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church." The communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Amen. All right, here's what I want you to do. Now, how many of you like asking questions? I like asking questions a lot more than I like making statements. So I'm going to ask some questions in this, in this message today. I want you to go ahead and have a seat. And I want you to talk to the people that maybe you met a couple minutes ago or maybe the people sitting around you. And I want you to talk about what stands out to you in this passage. What are the key words that you have questions about? Uh maybe you want to know the history about that. Maybe you just want to know a little bit more. Talk to the people around you. If somebody's by themselves, pull them into your conversation if you can. If they don't want to talk to you, they'll they'll make it clear. All right. But do that. Talk amongst yourselves, and we'll be back up in just a minute. Who's got something? Who's got a word? Not a word, but a a word from the the text. Who's got something? What are you talking about? Shout it out if you got it. What? Catholic, is that, was that like a consensus? We're all asking about that. Yeah, that's, uh, that was last service too. That was the first one they asked about. Okay. That's a little bit like, what does that mean? Okay. What else? Say uh, say that again. Descended into hell. Yeah, what is up with the H-E double hockey sticks reference there? that okay what else pontius Pilate. thank you i mentioned that last time and i thought that was interesting that they felt the need to throw that in there because if you notice if you read the whole thing outside of the trinity and the virgin mary that's the only name that was brought up why why do they feel the need to include that that's good anything else what's that communion of the saints okay what does that mean anything else where's the origin of it that's a good question yeah, where did it come from? Why are we talking about it today? Okay, anything else? That was pretty good questions. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to answer those questions today. So, <laughs> yeah, it was a big waste of time. I mean, you all, you all fell for it hook, line, and sinker, but uh, way to go. No, I'm going to... Full disclosure, today is really going to be an overview of the series. You've got to come back each week and we're going to go by this thing line by line. We're going to give you the history. We're going to tell you where this came from and we're going to get your questions answered. There is one question I will answer now because I know it's going to bug you if I don't. Okay, so the whole what's, what's up with the whole Catholic thing? Does this mean we're, we're becoming Catholic or is this a Catholic church now? Or, Betty, did we make the wrong turn? Are we across the street or are we at Our Lady Queen of Peace? What's going on? No, don't get hung up by this. The word Catholic strictly just means universal. It means the universal church. It's not referring to the Holy Roman Catholic Church as we know the denomination to be. The the writers of of the creed were talking about the church at large. So that includes you and me. And that includes Catholics, that includes Lutherans, that includes all all of the believers that it was written for and talking to. Does that make sense? So don't get hung up on that. That's just a word used for that. But you might be like, Tim, why are, why are we doing this? What was the point of that exercise? I think part of the point of this was just to show even amongst our church and our fellowship, there's a diversity of ideas and different places that we come to when we look at something like this. And even when we read scripture, we read it differently. We read the same text, and hopefully, by the grace of God, we arrive at the same conclusion about who Christ is and what we believe, and we'll talk about more about that later. But we all come at it from different places, Right? And, uh, you know, that's, that's a good thing, and we're going to recognize that and appreciate that and teach to that end to say, you don't, it's not cookie cutter. You don't have to think exactly this way. We're not looking for, like, this uniformed. everybody be of the exact same mind. God created you individually, uniquely, with the, with the mind that you have and to ask the questions that you ask, and that's a good thing. And so what we wanted to show is just kind of, again, amongst us, there some different uh, points of view here. And uh, why are we doing this series in the first place? If you were here last week, uh, Pastor Josh kind of teed up the the idea of the series. And really what we're facing um, in our culture today is a little bit of a crisis of belief where we are not really sure what we believe, right? We're a little fuzzy. If you ask maybe the average person or you do a survey, in fact, there were some surveys done we're going to talk about here in a second, that asked evangelical Christians, what they believe about God, what they believe about the Bible, about some of these core tenets and fundamentals. Maybe you grew up in church and, and these are things that you take for granted. You got it. I, no problem. I got this written down. Uh, that's, that's a big assumption on our part that we think everybody believes and understands what they believe like we do. And uh, that, that's just the reality of what we live in. And uh, even that word evangelical, if anybody is wondering, what, is, what does that even technically mean? Evangelical, an evangelical church, an evangelical Christian literally just means that they—it's it's a, it's a broad term just to define someone or a church that their core tenant— and their core theology and gospel is centered around the, the gospel of Jesus Christ and the salvation that we get to experience through Christ Jesus, through his sacrifice on the cross. That's all it means. It's very broad. It's not a denomination. It's not a sect. It's not a, an individual group. It's just a, it's a broad term, and there's lots of denominations that are rolled up in, in that. So uh, I know in the culture, in the day and age we live, evangelical is starting to become kind of a hot-button political word. Um, just that's the, that's the meaning of it, that's, and we are part of that. And so um, there was a survey done by uh, Ligonier Ministries, and they partnered with Lifeway Research. And uh, this is an ongoing survey. You can actually go online and find out this data if you want to. It's really fascinating, and you can continue to participate in it. But they surveyed just in the United States, not globally, but in the United States, evangelical churches. And they asked, what do you believe? And it was called, um, uh, what is our theological temperature? That was the, that was the name of the survey. And, and here are some of the results. I think it's on the screen. You can read it behind me. Uh, but 46%. Of evangelicals believe that God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. 46%. Again, that's in the United States. That's in evangelical churches. Believe that. And, and to summarize that, what, is, what does that mean? That means kind of the whole idea of many pathways all lead to the same God. It doesn't matter what religion you were studying or believing. They all wind up at the same place. And God accepts all of that. That's, that's what they believe. 50% believe... That an individual must contribute his or her own effort for personal salvation. 50% feels you have to contribute your own effort for salvation. That flies in the face of what we teach. What we teach is that it is salvation through the sacrifice of Jesus and not our own works. Amen? Amen. And this is something that, that we, we talk about, but maybe it's not resonating. Maybe it's not sinking in deep uh, with those that are hearing these words. Less than half think the Bible is the word of God and that it is true. Less than half of evangelicals trust the Bible to be the word of God and that it's true. And then the same numbers, those same numbers reject what the Bible has to say on ethical issues. Well, why wouldn't they? They, they don't accept it as a, as a moral guide or moral base. They don't believe it's true in and of itself. Why would they be looking at it for questions to these complex moral issues that we're facing? So I'm not saying all these statistics just to like depress you or make you confused, or maybe you're in here and you have some of these beliefs or, or notions. I'm not condemning you or judging you for that. I'm just saying this is what the surveys say that we're at. And it points to, uh, I think, a greater issue that we're facing as the global church and as, the, uh, as our, our, the church in our country is trying to wrestle with what do we believe? Do we understand what we believe? Do we know what that means? I mean, by the grace of God, here in, in our our church family, we've seen a lot of people over the last couple years come to this place and to find, find Christ and, and find salvation, and that is an amazing thing. We are grateful for that, and I hope and pray that that continues. But what we realize what we have to do is not just have that be an experiential moment for people, but we have to guide them through a process of spiritual formation. Amen? Amen. We have to do that. We have to make disciples of Christ. And that's what he's called us to do. And so if you don't understand what you believe, what that means for you down the road of life could mean some interesting things. And we'll talk about that here in just a minute. But by and large, we don't know what we believe. And how we think about God in our culture is quite muddied when you think about it. And uh, A.W. Tozer said, uh, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. When you think about what you think about when you think about God, what comes to your mind when you imagine the Creator, when you imagine God and His relationship with you and me, what, what you think about, how you process that, how you go about your own personal statement of faith is the most important thing you will ever think about. And so we have to be very careful, and we have to be purposeful about what we're teaching and what we're understanding and what we believe truth to be. It's so important for us. And if, if we get off track with that, like I said, we, we're, we're in trouble because we're, we're on shaky ground when we don't realize that there's a truth that stands outside of feelings and culture. Fawn mentioned it earlier when she was leading worship. There's a truth that we anchor to that is greater than our feelings, that is greater than our emotions. Thank God for that, Right? Because we would, we would just be just blown all over the place if we were only going by our emotions. Do we really believe what we say we believe? That's kind of the, the fundamental question that I have for you this morning. Do you really believe what you believe? Is there a sound basis for why you believe what you believe? Is there a reason to believe what you believe? Because let me tell you something. If you don't have a reason to believe the things you believe, then you ought not to believe them. Let me say that again. If you don't understand and think about and process and really comprehend the things that you believe, then maybe you shouldn't believe them because there's nothing rooted underneath all that surface. It's just it's the feeling. It's a feeling. It's almost like you're, you're taking a blind leap of faith into the darkness, as someone might describe it. And I believe and we believe as Christ followers, and I think if you read the New Testament, you come to the same conclusion, that our faith is not a faith of blind faith into the darkness, but a call out of the darkness and into the light of Christ. Amen. Amen? And that's what we have to teach. That's what we have to preach. That's what we have to get under the surface of what's going on here and really unpack for for people because it's, it's, it's easy to get tripped up and, and fuzzy. And I think you see in our culture sometimes um, when you maybe you'll watch an interview from a a celebrity and they're asking questions about faith and about God and uh, and they always have really good intentions and sometimes they articulate it well and sometimes you're just kind of cringing, right? Like, oh, please don't. He said it that way or that's not exactly it. You're just a little off base. You're meaning well. Um, and I'm not, I'm not bashing them, believe me. If I were standing there and had a camera in front of me and like somebody from like, CNN or NBC was interviewing me, I probably would say something really stupid too. Uh, there's pressure there, so there's grace for all those scenarios. But it's kind of indicative of where our popular culture is on the idea of God. And I think it's bored out in those, uh, those survey results that we really don't understand um, the, the differentiating factors, if you will, of what we believe and what distinguishes us from you know, from any other religion. So that, this, this series is really going to be an in-depth study about what we believe. And I hope it'll be meaningful for you and it'll, it'll teach you something. It's going to teach me something. And even if you've walked with Christ all your life and maybe you grew up in church and you, you, could, you have this memorized, maybe you grew up in a church that, um, that recited the creed, uh, the Apostles' Creed, is in a, on a regular basis. Maybe you grew up in a liturgical background where there was very, very prescribed, uh, specific practices that you walked through. And, uh, and this, is, this is like old hat to you. Well, maybe this will come alive in you in a new way. Maybe you can hear it in a new way for the first time in this series, and maybe you can just be reminded of some things that you grew up with. Or maybe you grew up in a church that didn't talk about this type of stuff. That you, um, If you grew up uh, Southern Baptist, you might have heard, uh, there's no creed but the Bible. That's a, that was a common term used in that fellowship, not that domination, because what they believed was, we have Scripture, we don't need anything outside of Scripture. We have all we need in the written Word of God, and the Creed stands outside of that. And we'll talk, again, more about that in, in a little bit, but that might be your background. Or maybe you grew up um, in, in our tradition, our heritage here at this church, is more of a, more of a Pentecostal background. And some of you might be thinking, wait, we're Pentecostal? What? Hold the phone. I, was, I didn't know I was at that kind of church. Don't freak out, all right? But that is our history. We're part of the Assemblies of God denomination. And I know I grew up in this church, and um, it wasn't ever like, taught right on the nose, but it, the implication of these types of things were that maybe they were lacking something spiritually. Maybe that we weren't allowing the Spirit to speak and to move if we had our prayers written down ahead of time, if we were, if we were following maybe a, a, a theological calendar, um, I would argue that that's not the case. I would argue that a lot of things to the contrary of that, but we don't have time for that. That's a series in of itself, how the Holy Spirit can work in, in some of these ancient practices. But that might be your experience, that you're not sure you know, where you land on this. So like I said, we all come at this from very different, different backgrounds and ideas and thoughts. And what it boils down to, I think, in our culture today is that there's no real thirst or hunger for spiritual formation as God has prescribed it. And what is that? Spiritual formation, as God has asked us to go through the process of, is basically you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, conforming your mind and your behavior to the ways of God. How he lays out in Scripture. That's all it is. That's a spiritual formation process. And if we don't allow ourselves to go through that process of refinement, uh, we are going to be very fuzzy and unclear on, on our faith. What we say our faith is to other people and what we believe personally. And it's going to affect how we live. So... The word creed, uh, which comes from the Latin credo, uh, what does it mean? Does anybody know? Is it, uh, can you take me higher? <laughs> Come on, anybody? I remember that song, 1999, I want to say, 2000, something like that? Great band, oh my goodness. That's not what it means. It's not what it means at all. Okay? Uh, creed, Somebody, I think somebody said it, it means I believe. That's all it means. It's, it's a statement of belief. I believe, we sang the song earlier, I believe in God the Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. That is our creed. And a creed, the Apostles' Creed, is just a a written down version of of our statement of faith as Christ followers. The creed shows us what's primary. It shows us the most important aspects of our faith. And uh, let me say something carefully uh, to kind of speak to that earlier uh, thought process about is, is creed biblical, should we be preaching it? We are not going to be preaching the creed in this series. I'm not going to preach the creed to you. We're going to let the creed preach Scripture because the creed points and derives all its power and authority from Scripture. Outside of that, it has no power in and of itself. Does that make sense to you? So what the creed allows and, and provides for is a, is a reflection of the truth of God's Word. Think about the moon. The moon has no light in and of itself, right? It gets all of its life, and it reflects its light back at us from the sun. Some of you that failed like basic science class are just blown away by that information and that knowledge right now, but surprise, the moon does not have light in of itself. It's, if, when you stare at a beautiful full moon at night, um, it is a reflection of the sun, and the creed is a reflection of the light of Christ found in Scripture. So that is our goal in this series, is to, is to preach Scripture and allow the creed to be an avenue that helps us identify it better and uh, the creed uh, is going to help us with four things. And I want you to, if you're taking notes, write this down. If not, just remember these. Maybe you can take a picture of the screen behind me here. But it's going to help us do these four things, and this is going to come back up in the course of this series. It's going to help us with symmetry, with clarity, with community, and with counsel. say that again. Symmetry, clarity, community, and counsel. What do I mean by that? The creed is going to help us develop better symmetry as Christians, give us a more robust understanding of the God of the Bible. How many of you uh, love going to the gym? Anybody? Oh, man. Oh, man. This is confession time. This is really confession time in church, right? I do not. I have not graced the door of a gym and I don't want to tell you how many years it's been. I think it was... Yeah, we won't go there. Um, not a huge fan, but what I've been told are there are these, uh, there are these individuals, these, these dudes that, are, uh, that focus almost completely on their upper body strength, and then every time leg day comes around, it's like they just get sick or something. They miss that, that day at the gym. So if you, have you ever seen these guys? They're like huge upper body strength macho guys, and then these like pencils for legs. Have you ever seen them? They're like an upside down pair. They're out of symmetry. They have no balance. They have no core strength. And I bet you, as strong as they think they are, if you or I were to go up to them, and we could probably push them over, <laughs> right? Because they, they think they're strong, but they're out of balance. Okay, that's, that's a goofy example, but that's going to kind of reflect how we can get out of balance in our belief and our thinking when we have too much of one and not of the other. We need, to be, we need to know who we are and what we believe. Those are important to know both those things. So it's going to help us with symmetry. The creed is going to help us with clarity. It makes clear who God is. The creed also informs our community, who we belong to, and who we are with. So as a, as a community, as a family of believers, part of what makes the creed so special is that we, when we all say that out loud together like we did earlier, that's, 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 a, that's a source of building our faith when we hear these words spoken out loud. And then finally, the creed informs our counsel, both to ourselves and to others. So, symmetry Clarity, community, and counsel. And again, come back each week of this series. We're going to go more in depth with those words and what they mean for us. And, uh, the, you know, we as a, as a people and as a, as a society, we have a way of getting off track with our beliefs, don't we? We have a way of drifting. Uh, and, and we allow ourselves to be uh, influenced by culture and by the, the loudest voice of the day. We allow ourselves to be influenced uh, all too often primarily by our immediate circumstances. And we can tend to have a very pragmatic view of, of our faith. What do I mean by pragmatic view? It's all about the here and now. It's all about what's relevant to me and what I'm facing, the struggles I'm, I'm dealing with and, and, and my fight now. So if God and Jesus fits in this nice little box that I've created that makes me feel better right now and, and fits, fits what I need, then I'm good with them. But as, soon as as soon as it starts to change or I start to change or society starts to change, everything falls apart. We can't be that way. We, Like we said, there's a truth that we hold to that I'm grateful for, that I'm grateful that we have something that stands outside uh, what we're currently facing. And um, so, like we said, we're, this, this is why we do what we do. This is why we're talking about this. And uh, there's, uh, there's, a, there's a rich history to our faith. I hope you realize that. Do you, do you realize what, what you and I are a part of, what we are wrapped up in? What we're involved with is a story that... Wasn't, wasn't formulated a, a few years ago and made popular and now it's everywhere and it's on TV and it's on the internet and now we're, you know, we're following this new, this new guru plan of, 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 of something. This is something that goes back centuries upon centuries upon centuries. That Men and women wrote things like this down to help us and enrich our faith and to build our faith and to, to provide clarity for what we believe. I am thankful that there is a history there, and I don't run away from it. I don't. I'm not discouraged because you know. Well, this you know, Christianity's been around however many you know, thousands of years, and it's stale and it's it's old and boring. I don't. I don't view it that way. I, that that helps me. That that makes me realize, boy, I, what I'm part of is so much bigger than me. It's so much bigger than what I'm facing today. It's so much bigger than the what seems to be insurmountable this challenge that's in front of me. And that, that's um, that's. I think that's equipping. I think that's. Um, that's, that builds the faith in our hearts to really believe the things that we say we believe. And uh, when we talk about the history there, what, what was the point of the creed? Why was it created? When was it created? Somebody asked that earlier. Um, there, you can't pinpoint exactly uh, when the creed came to be known, and there's, there's, there's the Apostles' Creed, and depending on the church that you, came, that you grew up with, might sound, there might be just one or two words just a little bit differently. The text has just slightly changed, but the heart's all the same. Um, people can trace back the, the Apostles' Creed as early as the 2nd century. Uh, it was not written by the apostles, so that, that's, that's a common uh, misconception. It was, it was written uh, by the leaders of the day, to try to do two things. This is, these are the two points of why the creed was written. Number one, it served as a confession of what Christians believe about God. That's number one. And number two, it was meant to reject the popular narrative of the day. Okay, I'll say that again serve as a confession of what Christians believe about God and who they think he is, and reject the popular narrative of the day. You, with, as we look at that first one, a confession. Of what Christians believe about God, you do know there's a big difference between believing and knowing, right? We're not talking about a creed as something a statement of what we know about God. It's what we believe in our heart about God. How many of you are being honest? You could think of there's there's a few pieces of, of data. There's some facts that you know uh, that you know in your head, but doesn't change your behavior, right? Like I know I shouldn't eat this. I know I shouldn't behave this way. I know I that's probably not a good decision. You know that, but you may or may not do anything about it. Belief is, goes beyond that. Belief is something that usually ch- inspires behavior changes. It's something that will draw us into uh, really radically changing our lives if we truly believe something. Um, to, this is something I wrote down. I wanted, to, I wanted to say this the right way so you can process it. To believe is to be moved upon toward action, and to know is to think maybe, maybe not. Think about that. To believe is to be moved upon toward action. And to know is to think maybe, maybe not. Belief in something should inspire us to act. Think about um, maybe somebody that you follow or that you look up to that, that maybe started an organization or, or did, did something that, that's just that's amazing to think about, and you talk to them and you want to hear their story, right? And you want to know what, what inspires them. Are they going to sit down and only give you like facts and figures like, well, uh, we reached this many people and we made this type of profit? And Yeah, they might share that with you, but is that the primary motivator of, of their story? Is that what you're really interested in? No, you want to hear about what they believe. You want to hear about their core convictions. And that's probably going to just leak out of them because they believe in something so strongly that they want to inspire you to change your action and to join them in their efforts. That's why um, if these companies that spend these big advertising dollars and, and trying to market campaigns around fundraising or some other effort, they're, they're not primarily going to be interested in just presenting you information. They're going to tell you a story. And they're going to try to get your heart wrapped around something that you can believe in. That's why it's so important to understand what we believe in. Because it will change and inform our, our thoughts and our behaviors and our actions. And uh, the, the early Christians knew this. And so they knew that to believe something, there has to be a process to come to that belief. And Scripture is quite clear with this. So if you have your Bibles, uh, or you have it on your, on your phone or tablet device, um, would you go to Romans chapter 10? And we're going to start in verse 9. Romans chapter 10. Verse 9, if you don't have your Bibles, it'll be on the, on the screen behind me. This is a very well-known um, portion of Scripture. Uh, you may, may know it, may not, but this is, uh, this is very clear on how someone comes into a relationship with God. Let you read this with me? If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Okay, so let that sink in for a minute. It's a two-part process. It's belief and confession. And we have to have both to really understand this transformation that's taken place in our lives. Look at verse 10 again. It's by believing in your heart that you were made right with God. That's step one. That's, that's, that's the first step here. And openly declaring or confessing your faith that you are saved. That's step two. So we have to have this, That's again, talking about symmetry, we have to have both. Um, you, you might all have different stories about how you, how you came into a relationship with Christ, but I bet they all have these two aspects involved in them, right? So we have to believe, and even the Bible would say, for most of us, it's, it's an order. We believe first, and then we confess with our mouth. Or maybe we confess by going into the waters of baptism. That's our confession to a watching world that we believe something, that our lives have been transformed, that our heart has been changed, right? So if you confession is easy. If I were to say to you, hey, um, you just need to stand up and say, Jesus is Lord. You'd be like, no problem, Tim. Yeah, I got that. You stand up. Jesus is Lord. We're good. I'm like, can, I, can I go back to what I was doing? That's That's cheap. That doesn't cost you anything. Maybe it costs you some embarrassment or some pride, but... There's, there's nothing underneath the surface of that. That's like um, if you were here earlier and, and you don't, you're not a believer and you recited the words of the creed uh, out loud us. You didn't do anything evil or wrong uh, by making that act. There just was no power there. There was no, there was no life in your words because it didn't come from a foundation of belief. We have to believe in our hearts and then we confess what we believe with our mouths. And the early Christians knew this and used the creed to help them uh, with this act. And... Um, the other thing that, that the Apostles' Creed served to do was to reject the popular narrative of the day. Think about the context and history of where, where the early believers were at. Uh, they were most likely in the Roman Empire, and they were taught uh, something, and they were in, instructed and, and required to recite something that says, basically, Caesar is Lord. That's what, they, that's what the culture believed and insisted on the, the followers, saying. Kaiser Kurios is the, is the phrase that meant Caesar is Lord. That's what they had to say. So, as think about the early believers, when they stood up and wherever they were meeting and whatever environment they were in, when they were reading the creed together, it was simultaneously their, their greatest act of rebellion against what was popular that day. Also, their greatest act of allegiance to Christ. They were rebelling against what was common, about what was expected, about what was popular, and they were saying they were declaring the truth. Think about, you remember when you said the Pledge of Allegiance when you were in school, how you had to recite that? And that, that, This is our Pledge of Allegiance to Christ, and this is our understanding of what we believe, and this is how we, how we live our faith out. Uh, 1 Timothy 6, chapter 6, starting in verse 12. Paul is writing to Timothy here, and he says, uh, Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your, listen to this, good Confession. There's that word again. Your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So, when we make our confession, when we declare this creed, this act of faith, we are taking hold of an eternal life. We were called to do this. You do realize you were called into this story. You didn't just stumble into it. You didn't just get to it on your own. God called you. Jesus calls us to this. And when we believe in our hearts and we make this confession... There's something, there's this beautiful symmetry that happens in our spirit when our spirit and our mind are aligned together and we can stand on firm foundation. So if you think about it, what are some of the popular narratives today that our faith would stand or reject if we were being honest, if we were being truthful, if we were declaring scripture? We're not going to go into the details of that, but I'm sure you could think of a few, right? You could think of some things that, boy, if I were just really believe this or say I believe this, I might, that might not go well for me. I might, you know... I might be unpopular. I might not look the best. But if we don't realize what truth is, we will be prone to wander in the sea of thoughts and ideas and be swayed by wherever the current of culture takes us. And please hear me. I'm not, I'm not here before you this morning trying to bash culture. I don't believe in that. I don't also believe that we should put this, 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 uh, this chasm in between us and culture and not be a part of it, because I believe we are called to impact and influence our culture for the kingdom. But to do that, we also have to recognize what, what distinguishes us, what, what sets us apart. Not from an arrogant, lofty, I'm better than them, or there is no us versus them mentality. It's, again, thank God we have a truth that we can hold on to. And I want to help you understand the truth that set me free. That's what we've been called to do as Christ followers. Amen? Amen. And I want to close by just saying, telling you a, a short story and I think the application will be obvious, but um, I don't know if you follow me on um, Instagram. I would not necessarily strongly encourage that you do, because uh, if, you, if you're really into, uh, if you love seeing pictures of my kids, uh, if you love uh, like tractors and trucks and, and home remodeling and like Chip and Joanna stuff, then you'll like following me. Okay, that's what I'm about on social media. I, uh, if you're one of those people that posts every day, that's, that's great. I'm no problem with that. Um, But I'm really into that type of stuff, and so I I am a wannabe farmer, and I'll be completely straight with you. I don't know what I'm doing, but I love it. I love being outside, and uh, I, I grew up my my aunts and uncles and my grandfather was a farmer. And I've talked about my grandfather before; he was a wonderful man. Um, he inspired me. I, I loved spending summers as a kid on the farm with him and just watching what he did. It would just amaze me. I had no discernible skills to any of that stuff, but it was just amazing to watch uh, what this what this gentle giant did in his life. And uh, so I, I I play around with that stuff now, and I think that I'm, I'm good at. We have a few chickens, and and uh, we only lost about. Two thirds of them this past year, so I'm, my batting average is three thirty three. I mean, that'll get you in the Hall of Fame, right? That's not doing too bad. But uh, we bought our house. We were uh, we were trying to clear. We have a little bit of land, so there were these big rose bushes, these overgrown things in the in our back uh, beh- between our back patio and our back field. And we have a really pretty view, so I wanted to kind of clean it up back there. And there was just the landscape. There was just no design or no thought. Um, put into it. It was very random, and I'm I'm a designer. That's I'm a creator. That's what I like doing. So I wanted to clean this up, and I wanted to make it look nice. And everything has to have a, have a plan and an order to it. So um, I just said, well. I'm I'm just going to go out there, and I'm going to dig these rose bushes up. How hard could that be, right? So uh, I get my, my shovel out, and I just start digging. And I start digging around the rose bush, and I'm digging. And as hard, you know, as hard as I can, I'm trying to cut as many roots off as I possibly can to try to yank this thing out of there. And it's got thorns, so I'm not wanting to you know, get my hands in there and, and pull it or anything. So i just thinking, this would be easy. I should be able to like, get it, my shovel down there far enough, get enough leverage, and just pop that sucker out of there, right? Fair enough, right? You would, you would think the same thing, right? Or maybe you're smarter than me. You realize that these things have been there for many, many years, long before I got there, and they are not coming out easily. So I, I tried and tried, and I could just I could barely get it to budge, and it was very frustrating. And I'm impatient, so I decided I'm gonna I'm gonna work smarter, not harder. Here, I'm gonna go get my tractor. Now, to be fair, it's not really it's not a, a real tractor. It's not like a nice 50, 60 horsepower machine. It's a glorified lawnmower, is what it is. That's all it is. <laughs> But it's better than your lawnmower. I just want to say that. I could beat your lawnmower in a tug of war. I'll pull you all the way from here to Catawissa. I don't care. i got a good lawnmower. But it's not that big, so it doesn't have a lot of leverage. So I, I, I try. I figured it's got more power than I do by myself. So I back it up, and I, I tie a rope around it and tie it around the rose bush, and I figure I'm just going to yank this thing out of here. And uh, I get on. I, I, I slam the, the hydro in, in forward, and it, it, it catches and just stops. It won't move, Right. It's, the, the rose bush is putting up a fight. And so I keep some tension on it. And I'm like, oh, okay, so I get off. I, I dig out a little bit more, try to break some more roots off. It'll move a little bit more. I get back on the tractor and eh, budge another inch or two, but not, not coming out. I probably did that half dozen times at least. And I'm thinking, my goodness, I've got several of these things to do. This is going to take me forever. So I had a, a very proud redneck moment. And I jump on that thing and I just said, I'm going to, I'm gonna drive until this thing comes out. This thing is coming out of the ground. So I just, I just, I, I did. Have you ever, be real. Have you ever done this, guys? Have you ever done this? You just get on that thing and you just slam it several times in a row. You're just yanking, yanking. My front tires were coming off of the ground. I wish somebody was videotaping. It would have been ridiculous. It would have been on YouTube right now. But finally, after about the seventh or eighth, seventh or eighth pull, that thing came loose finally, and I was so thankful. And then I was thinking about all the others I had to do. But I was, I was grateful that I was able to at least get that one out. And um, if you're tracking ahead of me, you probably get the application. When there's deep-rootedness, when, when roots grow down deep, it's not e- easily moved, is it? When your roots grow down deep and they are, they are wrapped around truth, when they are wrapped around something stable and solid, storms can come and they won't knock it out. When there's deep-rootedness, hard, hard freezes they don't tend to kill. And storms don't tend to uproot. When there is deep-rootedness, there is stability and there is fruitfulness. Right? When there, if, if we are not rooted to something deep and rich that's, that's beyond us, beyond our comprehension and our ability to understand what's happening, friends, we're going to get knocked around in this world. And uh, if you've lived long enough, you know that life is tough. Things happen. Things will cause you to bleed. They, they, will, they will happen and you will not understand why they're happening. and You will not see for yourself a path out of it. And I'm, please hear me. I'm not trying to speak those things over your life. I'm not speaking a curse. I don't want those things to happen to you. But I'm just trying to be real with you. And my story looks different than your story. I mean, some of you can tell me stories. You know, I, I wouldn't, I, I feel for you. I, I'm praying with you. Um, there's a challenge that, that you're having to overcome and you don't know how to do it. Heaven help us if we're only living our faith for the here and now, for what's practical currently. We have to be rooted to something beyond ourselves. Do you believe that today? So I hope you will go with us in this journey. I hope you will lean in, listen well, and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your hearts as we we endeavor to do this together. So do me a favor, one more time, will you stand up? And we're going to do this every week of the series, but I want to close Reading the Apostles' Creed one more time, and maybe this time, because of what you've heard, you could say it, maybe with with even more conviction, thinking about, wow, I understand a little bit more of the story. I understand a little bit more and get a better glimpse of what I'm a part of here. Because think about it, friends. Here we are gathered in this nice conditioned room, and we're very comfortable here, right? We can do this. We can say this. We can not say this. It's up to us. Think about the men and women all across the globe right now, uh, gathering in different areas from you know, from maybe a, a village in Uganda or a hut in Zimbabwe, tiny churches throughout Central and South America, beautiful old buildings in, in, in uh, Europe, throughout Asia where it's, where it's, you know, it's dangerous to be saying these words. Think about what we're a part of and the fact that we get to say this. Let's have belief in, in the life eternal today as we read this. All right. I believe in God the Father... Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell, and the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty, from whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for life eternal today. We thank you that what we're a part of is so much bigger than our minds can comprehend at times. Like we've said, you've called us into this. And so we will follow you and we will be thankful for what you have done and continue to do for us. I ask right now that you would help those of us that are asking questions and struggling to help us to find the answers in you and not in man's words, but in the, in the, in the word, Jesus Christ, our hope, our cornerstone, our rock we hold to you and we thank you for meeting us here and we love you and praise you. Help us have a wonderful week. Bring us back safely next week as we dive into this thing deeper. It's in Christ Jesus' name we pray and everybody said Amen. 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 Thank you all for being here. We love you. See you next time.